So hi, Steve. Thank you so much for joining me on Elevate Mind Music and Business Podcast. And as I was saying to you there, um, I'm really intrigued to hear all about your record collection. So I suppose let's just dive right in and I've got like a bunch of uh, questions. So I suppose let's kind of start okay. at the beginning. Tell us, okay, how long have you been collecting? Um, it's hard to pinpoint the exact time when I did start. I'd say probably about 20 years I've been collecting more seriously probably in the last 12 or 13 years but yeah in total probably about 20 or 21 years i've been collecting records yeah. oh wow okay that's that, that's a long time to be kind of uh, collecting so many you must have like a huge i mean how many records do you have now do you think i get asked <laughs> like this a lot and to be honest i don't know um <laughs> it's, it's it's in my best interest that i don't know because if my wife found out she'd oh. make me cut. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. i won't um, but look, if, if the last educated guess was around individual piece box sets or seven inches or LPs, the, the lot. So I'd say in total, it's about 5,000. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's kind of, yeah, that's a lot. All right. And I can imagine it's not like vinyl or is not cheap. So yeah, that can, um, definitely add up to like, you know, a nice, a nice amount of uh, money spent over the past like 20, 25 years. So, yes. um, yeah, so do you actually... It's not a cheap are, hobby by any means. It's quite, um, yeah, I wish it was like stamp collecting or something, but no, it's, yeah. um, it's, I, I had to choose an expensive hobby, yeah. Well, I, looking at your Instagram, actually, some of the records that you've been pulling out, like, you know, for display are some of my favourite as well. Like, I mean, you have like Bjork, you got Pink Floyd and all of that. Like, so yeah. there's some there's amazing records there in your collection. So I'm a bit gel. But uh, tell us, like, what is actually your favourite record? Like, what, is, what has been your favourite purchase? It's, uh, again, it's hard to pinpoint that either because I yeah. think, and I think most record collectors would agree that, you know, you, you'd go a month of loving an absolute record, uh, loving a, a record in its entirety and, you know, you're not really listening to much else and then you kind of find something else. And that original record still holds a very special place in your heart. But yeah. I, it, I don't know, it's really difficult to pinpoint just one record that, that's special to me. I mean, I've got about... Like ten or twenty records that are really either sentimental or um, they cost a lot of money or yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really difficult to pinpoint. And you know what? The short answer to, to that is um, it just depends what mood I'm in, really. Um, yeah. If it's morning, if it's evening, if I'm alone, um, you know, it, it, it really dictates, it really dictates my taste. That's fair enough. That's understandable. Like, yeah, I don't collect records myself. I do intend to at some point, but I just don't have like space or money really for it, like at the minute. Like, but uh, yeah. So I guess, like, what has been, I suppose, like your biggest investment, let's say, as well, like when it comes to uh, records. Oh, um, <laughs> again, I'll speak quietly so my wife doesn't hear. Yeah. I've got an original, uh, and this was really hard to come by oh. up until pretty recently when it was reissued, but for a long time, Janet Jackson's labels over the years just did not reissue any of her stuff. And so her, a lot of her, especially her earlier records, um, original copies in good condition would be worth a bomb, especially oh, wow. if they're in really good condition. Um, and so the Janet album, which is the one, is, I think it's from 92 or 90, it's a yeah. black and white image of someone's holding her boobs and like it's a really yeah. iconic image and really amazing album um yes yeah, I, I splashed out a fair bit on that and there was a few hundred dollars um oh, which wow. i thought was quite cheap because i'd seen it 
um, for close to a thousand dollars, mint coffees on it for close to a thousand thousand dollars Australian. This ad, uh, yeah. that is. So I, I bought it for at a little kind of the, the place you would least expect to buy it. Um, at some little country town, uh, it was a bookshop that just had maybe a hundred records in it as well, and it was just crap records. And but I always have a habit of looking through just whatever records are in a shop that I'm in. And it was just, you know, horrible, like, you know, John Denver and just like really, and bad John Denver as well, like just <laughs> really daggy kind of. And this was in there sealed in the original packaging with the stickers on it, um, on, the, on the, 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 the plastic kind of zip bag. Sure. Um, and yeah, but they knew it was worth something because they were charging, as I said, a few hundred dollars for it. Um, but I, and I knew to keep an eye out for it because um, I just couldn't justify spending what I'd seen it for on Discogs or a few other places. But um, when I came across that about probably three or four years ago, I couldn't help myself. Um, oh, and that, that's one of the more expensive ones I've, I've purchased, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I was a huge um, John Jackson fan when I was a kid too. So I remember that album, Maxi Janet, I think that was about 93. And uh, Rhythm yeah. Nation as well, that I think she had in 1989. I thought you were going to say Rhythm Nation, actually, which I love that album. Like, but Jam is a great really album. album. Really it. good album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jam and the producers, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, are just... Um, that, that's a classic example of, of an artist and a producer working just beautifully. Because oh, they had yeah. two albums under her belt before Control in 86, and they were pretty mediocre. They were, they were horrible albums. But then just with their influence and their production methods and, um, I don't know, it's probably the best or one of the best producer-songwriter relationships in music history where you've got a string of albums. I think she had five or six number one albums in a row and I don't think too many artists um, then or now could claim that. So, And I'll put a lot of that down to, the again, the relationship between producer and artist. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, that album is so smooth. And so you just thinking about the album there recently, thinking almost like actually listen to it again, funnily enough, like, so I'll definitely listen to it again now. Uh, and yeah, mm -hmm. speaking of producers, like, you know, would you have a favorite producer that you would always kind of like, you know, look for or that you like listening to? <laughs> yeah, again, it depends on the time of day, but there are some producers that really kind of stand out in my mind. And you know, people like Quincy Jones, um, when you hear an album by Quincy Jones, you just know it's a Quincy Jones project. And not just the obvious ones like Thriller um, or Off the Wall, which are great albums. But when you yeah. when you hear, you know, George Benson, or when you hear like Shaka Khan and Rufus, and you know, you just you just hear he's got that sound to where you know you could tell that his albums would cost a bomb to make because all the instrumentation, um, you know, there's you can just hear that there's at least thirty people in a room playing whatever they're good at playing. And I think that Quincy Jones is good for that. Um, Nile Rogers, I think, is a really fantastic producer. He's yeah. still producing, still performing. Again, when you hear his trademark chucking style of guitar playing, um, you just know, like when you hear Let's Dance by David Bowie, you just know that's Nile Rogers. When you hear, obviously, a lot of the Sheik stuff, um, Upside Down by Dinah Ross, when you hear um, some of the Madonna tracks that he worked on, like you just, he's got that very iconic chucking sound, which I just love. And not many, not many guitarists or musicians can replicate that. So there's a few few producers I like Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis are another one. Um, Teddy Riley did some some really cool stuff with with Michael Jackson as well in the early 90s. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, now Rogers, I actually forgot that he did uh, Let's Dance as well with uh, David Bowie. I only actually realised that a few years ago. I, I forgot again. Like, yeah, he is. He, I mean, he he's absolutely whole, Not just obviously the song, but he did the whole album, the Let's Dance album. Um, oh, okay, that, sorry, uh, right, okay. Yeah, and so, like, uh, David Bowie, as everyone knows, 
king of reinvention. I mean, he had five or six careers in one, and I think Nile Rogers really helped frame that part of David Bowie's career. That's when he became, obviously, that was probably his most commercial period. Um, and I think it's all down to that album. I think that album is, is a really good album. Um, okay. And again, you can hear Nile Rogers all the way through it, and that's a very good thing. Um, sometimes you can hear a producer just overdoing it, but not in that instance. I think he was, he was subtle when he needed to be, um, and he was quite restrained when he needed to be, but when he wanted to show off, he did. Um, and he also played on it. Not many producers play on the album as well, so that was pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's I also love, I also love um, if, if we're talking about producers, I mean, yeah. the guy's a bit of a deadbeat, but I really love Bill Spector. I really love his, like, his, his um, contribution to, to the music world is, is immense. Yeah. Um, despite his personal issues and tribulations and, you know, he's doing time at the moment for, for yeah. a, I think, second degree murder or something. But, yeah. I mean, his influence on the music world, especially in the 60s and 70s, yeah. like River Deep, Mountain High, what he did with um, Ike and Tina Turner. Again, he's got one of those knacks of getting an artist who's great and just making them and the audiences realise that, hey, they're not to be pigeonholed. They can do everything, not just this. And I think he, he did that really well. The work he did with George Harrison, solo stuff, John Lennon, solo stuff. He's obviously brought the Let It Be album to life. Without his influence, um, Let It Be just would have been shelved. And so he brought it back to life after the band broke up um, and did that. So he, yeah. And I also love the work that he did with the Ronettes and the, the girl groups of the, mm -hmm. of the 60s and all that kind of stuff as well. So... Yeah. yeah yeah that's what I kind of remember him for like mainly is like the sort of very sort of uh, 50s 60s style of like you know yeah the Renettes and and uh, artists yeah. like that but yeah and even actually if you I don't know if, uh, yeah because I mean I love watching uh, music documentaries and things like that too I did watch one of Phil Spector a good while ago but uh, more recently than uh, David Foster have you seen the Netflix documentary I haven't I haven't no it's on it's on my Netflix um it's on it's on my Netflix to watch list yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with, with his contribution as well. Like, there's yeah. only a handful of those really big names that have contributed just above and beyond what they could have or should have contributed. And he's one of them, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Just because, like, as you were saying there, like, when you really kind of push an artist, like, when you kind of see it then, like, you know, in a documentary where you have, like, contemporary artists, like, everyone kind of knows and loves and how he actually really does push them. Like, it's, it's great to kind of see it, like, in a documentary style because you really have more of appreciation. I mean, you can, you can know it and you can hear about it, but when you actually watch it then, it's like, wow, it's kind of, yeah, it really does uh, kind of bring it home that, like, what, how they contribute, yeah, to music, for, you know, for sure, 100%. So I suppose, like, what, um, are you working in the music industry yourself? Yeah. Or are you just completely a collector? Do you DJ with your vinyl at all? I don't know, it's frozen. Shit. No. Okay, I don't know if you can hear no, me. No, I wish... Okay, it's back. Sorry, it was frozen I'm there in, for like I'm, a few seconds. I've dabbled in DJ before. Oh no. <gasps> what happened? It's gone. Okay, I'm gonna have to pause and restart. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, recording. So yeah, so <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, so uh, tell us again, like about yeah, um, you know what you're what you do with music, and if you're if you're DJing and uh, how you're displaying these records, or are they completely private? <laughs> um, more, 
all the left, to be honest. Yes, I've, I've DJed in the past, um, but I don't DJ, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Friends who were DJs, I've dabbled in it. Um, I wish I was better at it because I actually really appreciate the um, the art form. I think it's it, I think it's great, um, but I don't DJ. I pretty much collect primarily for my own. It's my preferred listening method. I mean, nine times out of ten, when I listen to music at home, is it is via vinyl, and I've always just loved the format of vinyl. I've always loved the ritual of playing vinyl, um, be it when I'm alone or with friends or, you know, if you've got people over or uh, the case may be. But, um, yeah, I always, always just, it, it, it's a me thing. It's my personal. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've wanted to for years, but I just haven't kind of like begun. And because uh, I mean, I'm, I've been traveling a bit and, you know, I mean, I'm in Ireland now, but I'm from Cork. But I live in Dublin. I probably might move back to Cork at some point. Like I'm kind of a bit everywhere. But yeah, no, I think I definitely when I kind it's of like travel in a spot. Huh? Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard to, it's, if, you, if, you, if you travel yeah. or if you're an expat or whatever, it's really difficult to take your vinyl collection with you. All my yeah. friends, all my Australian friends who live overseas just leave all their records here in storage. Um, oh. It's just too difficult. Yeah, no, so exactly. So I'd love to kind of like, yeah, just, you know, start collecting now at some point, you know, bit by bit and whatnot. Mm. Uh, like what, what record player do you use? Or what, what do you play them on? Um, I've got a Project Classic, um, okay. which, yeah, which I've had for I think about three years now. Um, it's real. I mean, anyone who, who follows me sees it in a lot of the shots. It's a really, um, I love the, the minimal styling of it. I like how it looks a bit retro, but it's not retro, um, or vintage. It looks, uh, it, it, it's, it's very sleek. It's, it, as I said, it's quite minimal. There's no bells and whistles or buttons with it. It, it, it just, it, it is what it is. It, it does what it does and it does it really well. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah, so I've got that connected to a, um, an autophone black. Um, stylus as well, which um, that's you know I've gone through the Audubon styluses. I've started with with blue, then red, and now I've um, I've, I've upped, it, upped it to the black. Um, and it's it's not cheap, but it's yeah. I think you could definitely hear the music better. And it's the kind of thing where um, you, you got to wear it in. It's one of those weird ones where you know I think you know, I don't know, maybe fifteen or twenty hours of, of listening before it kind of finds its groove, pardon the pun. But it's once it does find that, it's just it, it's amazing. It's got that real warmth and that depth that a lot of record record lovers uh, are craving. Fantastic. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of like, you know, playing it in my mind, like what I would invest in, like if I, or when rather I do start collecting, you know, what kind of record player would be good. So, okay, mm. project, yeah, I'll definitely look into that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I, one of the questions I often get asked is, you know, does vinyl really sound better? Is it, is it, you know, is it better than CD? Is it better than MP3? My experience with it, and I'm not a hardcore audiophile by any means. There's a lot of people who are a lot techier than me and really get into the nuts and bolts of it. But in my experience, it, it is more superior only if all your components are up to scratch. You're only as good as your weakest component. So you can have amazing speakers, an amazing amp, a beautiful turntable, but if you've got a horrible stylus, it's going to sound dreadful. Or you can have a great stylus and horrible speakers, it's going to sound horrible. So if, if all your ducks are in a row and if everything is up to scratch and all your components are, are high quality and in good condition, um, I believe the sound is far superior. 
Um, and again, that's just me. Um, and, uh, uh, people might disagree with that, but that's just in my experience. No, I think I think I think that's kind of correct, actually, because we know over the years I've heard that 100%. You know, um, but yeah, but yeah, of course you do have to have everything like you know right. You've got to have like the right set, the needle, the stylus. You have to have you know uh, good speakers and everything else. And once you do, I mean, like sure, vinyl is the original, and I mean a lot of DJs as well like would use vinyl like you know as a preference if they can. Uh, just it, because of sound quality because again if you're going to be pumping money into like the investment of playing it like then obviously yeah. you're going to you know it's, it's going to be a superior sound you're doing it for a reason and also yeah on that as well I mean when I first started out collecting um, like a lot of collectors you start with more kind of basic equipment and mm -hmm. a lot of the time that means cheaper equipment and yeah. so which is fine I mean you've got to start somewhere yeah. um, and I would find myself churning it in every couple of years and it's quite wasteful because, you know, had I just invested properly the first time, I'd be, you know, so the stuff I've had now, I've had for quite some time. And I don't see myself replacing any of that stuff anytime soon because I, I love the sound of it and I also love the look of it as well. I think it's got, to, it's got to be a treat for the senses. I mean, there's a lot of high quality, amazing sounding equipment out there that is just quite ugly, frankly. Um, yeah. And I just love, I love the look of my equipment. And I just really love, I really love vintage audio equipment. Um, even though none of my car components are vintage, I think both my amp and my turntable look vintage and they sound vintage. They've got that warmth. Um, and that's what I love about my stuff. Yeah, I definitely think having that warmth is really important because that's kind of like all part and parcel of actually listening to records besides the whole, you know, tangible effect as well and the classic effect and everything else too. And just the, the whole action of it, you know, taking it out. <laughs> Putting it yeah. on, it's so much fun like that now in a glass of wine is absolutely sounds like an ideal evening. So I'm going to have to start like yeah, sooner than later. Um, so I suppose like, what's your goal with uh, your collection? Like, are you do you have anything sort of specific in mind, or even as well like, is there a particular album like that you're just dying to get your hands on? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, always. Or anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge Prince fan and he's uh -huh. without a doubt my favourite artist. Um, and so a lot of his stuff, it's starting to be reissued now, which is great. Um, but in a way, and I love, I always enjoy it when, when a label reissues music because yeah. I think it gives more people an opportunity to, to, to get in on it, which is fantastic. But um, I don't know, it's, it's with a lot of Prince's stuff, I already had a lot of it on vinyl. Um, when it was you know, a lot like the Janet stuff, it was released back when it was released and it never got reissued because of label disputes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've always held those albums very close to my heart. But I feel now that, especially because a lot of his, his albums from that, that, that period, that, that, that 90s period, and also some of the 80s stuff has started to be reissued now. Um, it's kind of lost that exclusivity about it. It's like, okay, now everyone could get it. It's, it's no longer my little thing. It's no longer my little, you know, guilty pleasure. I mean, anyway, you could just go to a local, you know, shop and pick it up, which is, which is great because I've, I've had so many people who, um, you know, because I've just bought them to death with Prince, gone and find out about, you know, Prince and they've gone and bought his stuff. It's like, oh, that's great. And it's, on one hand, artist discovery is fantastic. When you discover a new artist, it's the best feeling in the world because you keep digging and digging and digging and finding all this amazing stuff about them. But um, I know, I think a lot of the exclusivity around Prince in particular is gone. But if there's one album, to answer your question, if there's one album I really would love to get my hands on, it's the Black Album, um, which I don't know the story behind the Black Album, but he released it, he was scheduled to release it in, I think, around 87. Um, and then he uh, had an epiphany 
uh, a chemically induced epiphany, let's just say that, and um, he thought he people. And so he pulled it he, uh, after Warner Brothers released it, with I think a day after its release or the day before it was duly released, uh, can it. And so they pulled all the copies that could, but some of those original copies were flown out because they were details and whatnot. Um, and so if I could get my hands on one of those, um, it's really cool. There's heaps of bootleg, got a bootleg burn. Um, but um, I'd, love, I'd love an original. I'd love an original. Of course, I mean, yeah, it's just so hard to come by. And I, I believe it's one of the most expensive albums ever sold on Discogs. Like you're talking thousands of, for one of those original copies of the Black Album. Wow, amazing. That sounds like it would be definitely a find and a half. I didn't actually know about the, uh, the Black Album at all or like its history or backstory. Uh, it, it, you can listen to numerous sources online. It's so, so funny and it's, it's just cool it's a really cool album um, oh, and i hate uh, again i kind of like that he pulled it because it's made it even more mysterious and hard to come okay. by um fans know it um but yeah i think it and more and more people are finding out about it but it's you know it's a 35 year old project but it's so cool so funky in 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 like in that real minimalist minneapolis style funk that that he pioneered it's a really really cool album really cool amazing i'll have to check that out for sure definitely Highly yeah. um, and have you bought um albums i suppose like you know internationally if you've been traveling have you bought like albums overseas and that or you kind of just you know do you have it's like what would be your favorite record shop or what has been your favorite record shop besides the one where you randomly found janet are there any <laughs> yeah. well that wasn't a record shop that was like a used bookshop um so yeah um I mean, obviously living in Sydney, I'm pretty familiar with all the, the record stores here. Um, and we've got some pretty good ones. For a city of our size, we've got, you know, five or six really good quality record stores. My favourite here in Sydney is Red Eye Records. And anyone who's been to Sydney or anyone who's from Sydney would know Red Eye. It's got a really solid variety um, of virtually any artist and any genre you could think of, which is quite cool. Um, internationally, um, yes, I always like to pick stuff up from when I do travel overseas. It is restricting because of the weight and the kindliness yeah. of it, tied in with all your luggage and whatnot. It's, um, it's quite impractical. Um, but, I mean, New York is a mecca of, of record stores. Um, that's pretty cool. London's got a really cool record scene as well. Um, and, and a lot of places that you'd least expect um, would have a really thriving record culture, like places like Indonesia have uh, an amazing record culture. Like, you'd be surprised in Jakarta, in Java, there's a lot of record stores there. Um, in, in Athens, in Greece, there's quite a few as well. So, yeah, but I mean, the vast majority of my collection has been sourced here in Sydney. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I suppose places like Jakarta and Java, I guess like maybe they kind of, you know, it's, it's sort of more original because it's still kind of like very old school in a lot of ways. So I guess it kind yeah. of makes sense like that maybe they would have like, you know, still a thriving record collection. But that's really interesting to know because yeah, I do intend to like do the traveling again at some point whenever we <laughs> return back to semi-normality um, the next like year or two, fingers crossed. And uh, so that's definitely something I'll actually keep in mind. Yeah, because it wouldn't have been something I would have like thought of initially. No, you don't. And also, you come across it on, on Instagram. Obviously, there's a huge, huge vinyl community on Instagram. And you just see where people are from. Like, you just, you're scrolling through and you see their collection. Like, wow, this, this is a really solid collection. Where's, where's this girl from? Or where's this guy from? And, yeah, they're from, like, Rio de Janeiro or Bali or, you know, some really off-the-beaten-track places that you just wouldn't expect. But, you know what, to be fair, they're probably they're surprised that there's a record scene in Sydney. So um, Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. 
Excellent, excellent. And Camille, so I suppose um, I won't keep you too long more, but uh, just to kind of like, finish off, what would you, what advice would you give to people like that are starting or looking to start a record collection and maybe they're just not sure like where to start themselves or, or what like, so yeah, to uh, aspiring record collectors, what advice would you give? Um, uh, back to my earlier point, I think equipment is important. I know it's easiest to get the cheaper stuff. Um, but if, if, if the, if the hobby sticks, which more often than not, it will, I guarantee oh, no. you, you'd get rid of that cheap within a year or so. Did I just cut out for a moment? Can you hear me? Okay, sorry, you totally froze there. So do you mind no, uh, okay. that again? Sorry. No, no, no. Where do you want me to go from? Um, so just, yeah, I think at the, at the, the beginning, like when you were kind of like, just, just about to like divulge the advice you're about to give, uh, you said with equipment and then it froze. So, so yeah. yeah. So again, I think equipment is, is really important because if, if the hobby takes off, I guarantee you that you'll be throwing in that hundred dollar all in one record play you bought at the local hardware shop, um, for something better. Um, I think equipment's quite important from a collecting perspective. Um, start with the artists you know and love. If you go, you know, if you start experimenting with, with you know, someone you've never heard of before, as I said before, it's it's not a cheap hobby. You don't want to drop thirty, forty, fifty dollars on a on an album that you might like. So start with something that you know you're going to like, and then you kind of build your collection from there. Um, I love, as I said before, artist discovery. Um, like I, shamefully, only very recently, and when I say recently, probably in the last five or six years, really started getting into Leonard Cohen. Um, and nothing's given me more joy than going into record stores and finding old Leonard Cohen records. Um, even his more recent stuff I really enjoy. Um, and so just, again, if you know a bit about an artist that you love, discover that artist more and a, and a record shop is a perfect place to do that. Yeah. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, I have bought records in the past, right? Like just at the very, you know, early days and uh, yeah, they've been just kind of random things and I still have them. So I've got about three. <laughs> so I can, you know, I've got like a tiny little collection of three, but I intend to obviously like, you know, kind what, of what three records are there? Um, they're just random ones that I got because I decided I bought like I mean this is going back now. Oh my god, like I think when I was a teenager or something like that, I bought like a DJ in a box. <laughs> Do you know, because yeah. I was like, you know, belt drive, all that, like I had like little aspirations. <laughs> so I just bought these random, like, you know, I think it's like kamikaze or something like, you know, records I just, you know, yeah. to play around with and they're just still there under my bed somewhere. <laughs> so um, I have to kind of pull them out and just see, but I mean, I don't have, I, I, I sold those, the, the DJ to box afterwards because I wasn't really using yeah. it. Um, and so I have to, uh, yeah, I get back into it again. But yeah, I mean, I have like an extensive CD collection from when I was younger because I was like, obviously love music, but obviously a lot of them too, of course, my favorites are all scratched and things like that, but I have like them all in cases, which are CDs or, or no good really. I mean, it's if I could, you know, swap it for vinyl, I'd be sorted. I mean, I've got like hundreds and hundreds of CDs, but um but yeah, so I think though it's kind of a good thing nearly in a way because I can kind of go back to basics. I do say like, you know, to, you know, what I, like arts that I, that I love, I mean, like say Janet Jackson, even for example, or Off the Wall, again, Michael Jackson, a great album too that I love and listen to every now and again too is a, is a bit of a treat, like it is a guilty pleasure, as you say. Um, so yeah, even like with things like that, it's a really good point to kind of start with albums that you know you're going to listen to over and over because it's a good investment and it's an expensive investment too. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's sound advice. So cool.
Listen, Steve, thank you so much for hopping on this evening and uh, all the rest of it and uh, having a chat. And listen, enjoy your beer and uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you anyway on, uh, on uh, Instagram. So what is your Instagram actually so people can follow you? It's Steve Kuta, so S-T-E-V-E-K-O-U-T-A. Perfect. Okay, cool. Well, listen, Steve, again, thanks so much. And what I'll do is I'll actually send you a link for the podcast once it's up. And yeah, have a great evening. No problem. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care then. Talk again. Bye.